uh, by the power of your spirit is faithfulness as well. Lord, um, not success, uh, but just being faithful to what you've called us to. And uh, God, I'm just grateful that, uh, that we don't have to uh, perform. Uh, we don't have to try to be liked or esteemed or impress. God, that we can all rest um, knowing that we are uh, fully and finally accepted and approved because of faith, your shed blood for the remission of our sins. So God, we want to make much of you this morning and um, pray that you would just guide and direct uh, me as, uh, as I uh, proclaim your word for your glory and for our good. And God's people said, amen. Hey, just a disclaimer, um, 830 group, like this uh, will not be anything like last Sunday. Um, there will not be the, the, the uh, yeah, I don't know what happened last Sunday. Pretty, pretty, uh, it was great. It was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. But, I, but I, I can't conjure that up. So that's what I'm saying. Like if it goes that direction, we know it's the Spirit of God. So we're, we're in this uh, three-week sermon series called The Blessedness of Possessing Nothing. And uh, we're, it's uh, uh, the first week we talked about stewardship of our time. Last week, stewardship of our talents or the gifts that God has given us. And today we're going to have the dreaded discussion about stewardship of our treasure, of our money, and our possessions. And, um, and so it's a, it's a topic that we uh, don't like to talk about, but we're going to talk about it today. Uh, when we truly live as, um, as stewards rather than owners, we are going to always find more joy. God is going to always be more glorified, and other people are always going to benefit uh, from our stewardship mentality. Stewardship is, just a reminder, it's managing and utilizing all the resources that God provides for his glory the good of humanity and the joy of the manager, you and me. The gospel reminds us that we possess nothing, but we're forever possessed by the giver of good gifts. And in that reality, knowing that he holds us, he holds our life together, um, gives us great peace and joy and comfort. We can only live as biblical stewards when we understand the gospel, what God has accomplished through the life, death, the resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. The gospel, as I've mentioned the last two weeks, is more than just a ticket to heaven. It's a message that changes not only our destination, but changes our hearts and minds and our attitudes towards everything that we have in this world. The gospel transforms our relationship to God, and it also transforms our relationship to all of his good gifts. This is significant. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, including our time, our talents, our treasure. All of it comes down from him. All of it is for his glory. All of it belongs to him. We're stewards of these gifts until God returns or he calls us home. And, um, and then those gifts will be no more. Today, as I mentioned, we're going to do a high-level review of what the Bible has to say about stewarding our treasure, our money, and our possessions. And it's not a subject that the church um, usually likes to talk about. We don't, talk, we don't preach about about it enough. We have, we have nothing going on here. We have no capital, can, uh, capital campaign going on. We're not going to um, fleece you on the way out. Um, I want to tell you the pastors here at Windsor Community Church, it might be different than other churches, I'm not sure, but we, on purpose, we don't know how much you give. Uh, we, it's, I don't have a, a clue what anybody gives here. And the reason that we do that is that we want the Lord to lead 
And, and we don't want to shepherd people differently. We don't want to, like, suck up to somebody. I was in the brokerage business for 20 years, and just a natural inclination of man is to suck up to people that have a lot of money or, can, or you can benefit from at some level. And so we have chose not to do that here. Um, the pastors don't know how much you give. My prayer in this uh, message this morning is that the gospel, uh, not my words, but the gospel would invite you and challenge you to be more generous than you have been in the past. And this is going to be uncomfortable, but I want to remind you that these are God's words and not mine. At the end of this, I'm going to open up WCC's checkbook. Um, I'm going to let you see actually what our budget looks like. Um, because where, where our heart is, our treasure is also. And I want you to, we want, the pastors want to give full disclosure as to what, uh, what the budget looks like. The Bible devotes over 2,300 verses to money. That's twice as many verses than to faith and prayer combined. Jesus says more about money than both heaven and hell combined. Roughly 15% of everything that Christ said in the Gospels relates to money and possessions. He cares about money, but he cares more about our heart and our attitude towards money than he does about our money. Today we're going to mind God's word for the answers to three questions. Um, why should I give? How much should I give? And to whom should I give? Why? How much? And to whom or what do I give? First of all, why should I give? Um, there's two reasons. It's God's money. And it's good for your heart. First of all, it's God's money. Uh, Job, uh, God said to Job in Job 41.11, Who has given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. The psalmist said this, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Uh, God said to Haggai, um, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. David said after uh, building, after um, after starting to build the temple, he said in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 29, 14, But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you. Everything we have is from him and for him and belongs to him. Well, so what? How should that inform our giving? Understanding ownership is only half of the lesson. Um, yes, God is the owner, but you are the manager. You are the steward of everything that God owns, everything that he has given to you, and you're charged with the responsibility, you're entrusted and charged with the responsibility of managing and utilizing all the resources that God provides, managing and, and, and utilizing it for his glory, for the good of others, and for your joy. Um, your name, though, however, is on God's account. It all belongs to him, but your name is on it. It's joint tenancy with rights of survivorship. Um, and you have unrestricted access to it, a privilege that is also subject to abuse. And just because God puts all these resources in your hands doesn't mean he intends for those resources to stay in your hands. God gives us the ability to make money and entrust us with the managing of it for his glory the good of others, and your joy. You should give because it all belongs to the Lord and you are his appointed steward, but you should also give because it's good for your heart. There's a heart condition that somebody coined as affluenza. You might have heard of it. And there's actually a definition to affluenza. It says it's a painful, contagious, 
socially transmitted condition of overload, debt, anxiety, and waste resulting from the dogged pursuit of more. That every human being uh, suffers at some level from the disease of affluenza. Listen to the lament of these very rich people who, uh, who were infected with this disease. I don't think any of them were Christians, but they were, uh, but they were uh, humans who God extended His common grace to. The care of $200 million is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure in it. W.H. Vanderbilt. I'm the most miserable man on earth. John Jacob Astor. I've made millions, but they have brought me no happiness. John D. Rockefeller. <clears throat> I was happier when I was doing a mechanics job. Henry Ford. And again, I'm not sure that any of these men were Christians, but there was a rich man like the richest man that whoever lived that had the, the same affliction, the same disease. Listen to King Solomon's words in Ecclesiastes 5, 10 through 15. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. Remember, remember vanity is not, it doesn't mean meaningless, it means hevel, it means it's a vapor, that it's all going to go away at some point. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. The more we have, the more we worry. Verse 13, there's a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he was father of a son, and he has nothing in his hand. And as he comes, and as he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came. He shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. So if everyone suffers from this, and if we can take nothing with us in the end, what's the antidote to affluenza? And I would submit to you that it's giving. That the antidote to affluenza is actually giving it away. Giving breaks the fever. Paul says this in 1 Timothy 6, 17-19. As for the rich in this present age, who are the rich in this present age? If you um, live in a house in northern Colorado, you are the rich in this present age. Charge them not to be haughty or prideful, prideful nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to what? To enjoy. He, yes, He owns it all, and it's to be used for His glory and for the good of other people, but it's also for us to enjoy. They are to do good. The rich are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So finding truly life, and you're looking for true life today, I can tell you it's not found in the next purchase. Not that the next purchase is bad or it's not found in, in enhancing your savings account. Not that a larger saving is inherently bad. Finding true life today is not found in the pride of accomplishment or the uncertainty of riches. It's found, Paul says, in doing good and being generous. Jesus says it is truly, it is truly more blessed to give than to receive. 
Giving is good for the heart. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, 19-21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. That's what he's saying here. Is don't, don't store up things here that, are, that you can't take with you. At the end of the day, it's all going to burn. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. What we treasure affects our heart. The person, the heart are connected. When we have money in a particular stock or Bitcoin, what happens? It's good to invest in stocks and maybe even Bitcoin. But, our, but we follow it. We're interested in it. When we give money to a missionary or we give money to an alma mater, that's where our heart is. And it's not always a bad thing, but they go together. That where our money goes, our heart follows. As surely as the compass needle follows north, your heart will follow your treasure always. What are you treasuring this morning that affects your heart? In both good ways and in harmful ways. Are you, more, are you more concerned about the expansion of your portfolio or your expansion of the kingdom? When we treasure Jesus, our heart will follow. Riches are uncertain in this life, and we will take nothing out of this life, but we have an inheritance. And Peter says that we have this inheritance that is being kept for us in heaven. It won't decay, it won't perish, it won't spoil. And you know what that inheritance is? It's Jesus. That He is our inheritance. He is our treasure. He's the one who promises to never forsake us nor leave us. That everything that we're working for here, all of our treasure will forsake us and it will leave us. It will disappoint us. Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So how do we serve money? What does that even look like? If he says that we can't serve God in money, we need to know what serving money looks like and what serving God looks like. Serving money is, is when we see money um, as ours to spend however we want. That we're free to do, and we are in some level. But we're not free to, 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 um, to just spend without considering and praying um, God's priorities for our money and our life. How do we serve God? I'd submit to you that it's stewarding our life. It's stewarding everything that God has given us. It's recognizing who owns it and who gave it to us and His purpose for it. Make no mistake, God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money. He wants our heart. Show me your visa statement. This is kind of a odd, I'm kind of a, a, a geeky kind of guy. I went through um, I went through um, what's his name? Money guy. Ramsey, thank you. It really made a mark on me. I went through, we went through Ramsey's class after really having some financial struggles, actually, and getting too far in debt, probably about 12 years ago. And uh, we did away with all credit cards, and we operated on the cash system and all that. And, and right now, by God's grace, the only debt that we have is our house. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good, we don't want to be, um, uh, God's word says that when we're in debt, we are a slave to the lender. And Christians, we don't want to live that way. But uh, recently, in recent years, I've gotten some more credit cards. 
and I'm kind of I'm thankful to the Lord that I haven't accrued one dime of interest uh, over these last few years with credit cards. But like I'm on this I'm on this journey right now because I want to I want to take my entire family um, to Mexico next Christmas. So I got like three Southwest cards. Um, I got a personal Southwest card. I got a business Southwest card, and then I've got one like in a different name that I'm just charging money on. No. <laughs> No, I don't know how. Oh, I got one for Nancy. That's what it is. But I have, but I have three of these. Um, why am I going down this road? Um, how do we serve God? How much should we give? Um, God doesn't need your money. Uh, show, oh, show me your checkbook and your visa, right? So um, it's not bad to use a credit card, but, but, but your credit card and your checking account reveals what's important to you. Like, that'd be a good little exercise, actually, on a date night, if you're married, is actually um, take where, however you, you pay your bills, whatever, whatever it is that you track your spending on, go and ask, does, does our spending um, reflect um, a serving of God or a serving of money? Um, just ask that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time like defining that. I think God, uh, that God's Spirit will lead you in that. Um, he doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. I also want to, I want to encourage you to take a family field trip. I think in the first sermon I encouraged you to take a family field trip to the cemetery. This one's not as bad. Take a family uh, field trip to the junkyard. Um, go there. Um, go and see everything that's there. Um, and, and everything, once will, everything uh, it, when Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead, will be in the junkyard. We're stewards of these gifts until God requires them from us when he returns or takes us home. But the glory of the gospel reminds us that even though we possess nothing, none of, we own nothing, we're forever possessed by the giver of good gifts. So the next question is, is how much should we give? How much should we give? The most obvious, that's the most obvious question. It's a good question, but I think the better question is, is how much should you keep? That's the better question. As his money managers, God entrusts you and me to set our own salaries and draw needed funds from his wealth to pay our living expenses. We need to feed, we need to clothe, we need to house and transport our families. Um, it's, it's good, actually, to take vacations. It's good to, to upgrade um, things in our houses, like appliances when they break down. Life is expenses, and there are expenses for temporal comforts that compete with generous and sacrificial giving. So consider, how much do you really need to keep? God's money managers have legitimate needs, and God, the owner of everything, is generous. But when you grasp the biblical reality that you are a steward and not an owner, it will totally change your perspective. Suddenly, you're not asking anymore, how much money shall I out of the goodness of my heart give to God? Instead, you're asking, since all of my money is really yours, how much would you like me to invest in your kingdom. I wrestled with this constantly. Back in, back in January, we were going we to move after being in this house for 13 years because we wanted to, to buy a ranch instead of a two-story. And we, I think I told this story a while back, but like our goal was not to increase our mortgage. And at the end of the day, for us to get a house that we, that we felt like we wanted and we needed for the lifestyle of hospitality we want to live, it was going to increase our mortgage. You know what happened when our mortgage would go up? Our giving would go down. So for us, it was an easy no. Um, we're wrestling with some of this stuff right now. We said that since we're going to stay in this house, we said for another five years, there's some things we need to upgrade. Uh, appliances. Then we're asking the question, well, how nice of appliance do we need? 
you know? And then we've even thought of things like hot tubs. Wouldn't it be neat to like have the grandkids over and sit in a hot tub? Wouldn't it be nice, nice on a, after, uh, in an evening just to sit at, in the hot tub with Nancy and just like just read a book, you know? Um, but it's like it, there. And I wrestle with these things, and I and I think at some level we should wrestle with these. And you might be thinking, well, God, no, you're just free. God's giving you that money. Just enjoy it. I think we should wrestle through every single purchase. Wrestle through every single purchase. One of the spiritual, central spiritual decisions is de- in, in our life and in, in the Christian's life is determining what is a reasonable amount to live on because it's not ours. And he should have something to say with where we put it. 2 Corinthians 9, 10-11 says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You know, most um, health and wealth pastors stop right there. And he wants to enlarge it. He wants to give it to you. To, to enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, though, says you will be made rich in every way so that you can be what? Generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God, that your generosity results in people giving glory to God. God gives seed to the sower and makes him rich in every way so that he can be generous in every way. God's grace is unconditional, benevolent favor toward you and me who are deserving of none of it. God inherently... God is inherently generous. Um, We are not. And left to ourselves, we are naturally selfish and greedy. I know that about myself. When Christians are most generous, it is clear evidence that God's grace is working in and through us. One commentator said this, human generosity is a visible sign of God's invisible grace. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, as you, Christian, excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, And in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. What's the act of grace? It's giving. That giving giving is is we're we're conduits of God's grace when we use what he's given us for his glory and for the good of other people. And then he said this in 2 Corinthians 8 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Jesus emptied himself of all of his heavenly rights. He laid down his life and he bore our sins so that we could have life in Christ and to live our lives yielded to him and to his purposes. So the amount of money that we are to give should be informed by the gospel. First and foremost, that Jesus gave it all. I'm going to give you another principle, and you're not going to like it. Some of you aren't going to like it. 10% is a good place to start. 
Many of the church fathers like, like Origen and Jerome and Augustine taught that the tithe, which means 10%, that's what tithe is, 10%, was the minimum giving required for Christians. There's this obscure verse in Genesis 14, 17 through 20. I'd encourage you to look at it. If you enjoy digging deep into God's Word, I'd encourage you to do that. Genesis 14, 17 through 20. It's not a prototypical giving verse, but I'm going to read this to you. This is after um, Abraham had just won the battle. And Abraham at the time was the richest man on the planet. It says this, after, after his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer, this is Abraham, after Abraham's return from the defeat, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shavah, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, for he was a priest of the God's Most High. And he blessed Abraham and said this, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Now just let this sink in for a minute. This is before the Levitical law. There's no law to give 10%. That, that Abraham was reminded that God owns everything and that everything that, that Abraham ha has, um, including his salvation, came from, um, from the God Most High. So Abraham um, spontaneously responded to Melchizedek's reminder of God's blessing by giving 10% of everything to God. And so here's, what is your spontaneous reaction to God's grace? What is your spontaneous reaction that we were dead in our sins and, uh, sins and trespasses, but God in His mercy made us alive? What is your response that everything that you have came from Him and that He owns it? Is it just, is it just uh, dropping a little money in the giving box? Is it just writing a little check to the Pregnancy Resource Center? Or is it asking God, how much do I need to live on? And give me, give me the, 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 the confidence um, in, um, and strength to give sacrificially and cheerfully. 10% may be a good place to start, but I actually think it's a bad place to stop. I have no problem with people saying we're not under the tithe as long as they're not using it as an excuse to give less to kingdom work. Does God expect His new covenant children to give less than those in the old covenant? Jesus is building His church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus is building His church, and He doesn't need my money or your money. But he's given us the glorious joy and opportunity to participate in what he's doing by giving back to him all that he's given to us to steward for his glory, the good of others, and our joy. To whom should we give? It's the steward's job to find out um, what the owner wants done with his assets, then to carry out his will. And as I mentioned in the first sermon of the series, we've been saved to Christ. We've been saved by Christ and to Christ, and we've been saved to His body. We've been saved to the church, the local church. The church is referred to as the body of Christ because when we are converted to Christ, we're converted to His body. 
And the church is God's design for Christians to grow and then to go and live on mission. Ministry expands and the gospel goes forth when people um, steward what God has given them, when they, when they give generously. Jesus will build his church and he invites us to be the means for which his message and his grace flows through to this world. Knowing the Lord's priority for the local church will inform the way we steward our money. The local church is God's plan A for giving. Consider 10% a starting place. But also give, give to other Christ-centered organizations outside the church. Um, I'm going to show you all the places in, a, in just a minute here that WCC has the opportunity to give to. But, but build your giving up to 10% in the local church. And then go over and above that giving to uh, other ministries that he is at work in. So we're going to take the next, um, like hour and a half, next, uh, next 10 to 15 minutes to take a peek at WCC's checkbook, if you will. I said earlier that your heart always goes to where you put your money, and the church is no exception. I want you to, I want you to see the heart of this church. I want you to see where our treasure is. And I'm going to share with you our budget for fiscal year 2021-2022. Um, we're going to make these, um, these slides available to you in the newsletter this Thursday. Um, but we operate on a fiscal year that starts uh, September 1st, so just we're a month into it, and it ends on October, uh, uh, on October 31st. Um, so we're a month into it. Um, for the last fiscal year that ended in August 31st, um, we, our giving fell, fell short of projections. Uh, but we didn't, we didn't spend more than was given. So there were, there were some expenses that we were able to cut out that we just didn't spend on. Um, so um, I'm, I'm happy to say by God's grace that we, even though giving was short, um, we didn't outspend what came in uh, by, God's, by God's grace. This last year was hard. <laughs> it's an understatement. It was hard in, in many ways. And, um, but the Lord did many good things in our midst. Uh, we sent out 20-plus families in the last year to two different church plants, to uh, Sheridan Bible Church in Wyoming and Redemption Church of Greeley. Um, we also sent out the Moser family to adopt a church in East Greeley, Living Water Fellowship. And not only did we lose the giving of these 20-plus faithful families, we're also now supporting these works. So money is not coming in from those 20 families, but we're sending money out to these um, these two church plants in Sheridan and Greeley. I want to report to you that we have $62,000 in a facilities fund, um, which is there for improvements. This is a building. Much like your house, there's things that need to be improved. And by God's grace, we were able to replace the carpet in the last year and, and get, in, get new chairs. So we're, we're grateful for that. Um, we also have $135,000 in designated cash reserves. Dave Ramsey would say that a biblical principle is, is that we should try to have three to six months of an of a emergency fund. Um, it's not, $135,000 represents three months of an emergency fund for Windsor Community Church because we're, we're not just going to lose all the giving at once. So we feel like we have a pretty good cushion. So let me show you the budget here. Um, if you look at the entire budget, uh, the first slide, um, that our budget for the fiscal year is $670,000. That's a 9% increase over what was given last year. So, so I don't know what that number is. I should have written it down, but it's a 9% increase over last year's giving. Several years back, we determined that we, uh, 
we, we own land on 15th Street. And we determined that we didn't want to invest in bricks and mortar. We wanted to invest in people. So what you're going to see is our budget is relationship heavy. It's not, it's not, um, it's not brick and mortar heavy. In fact, 77% um, of the budget involves people and relationships in some way, shape, or form. 23% of the budget represents the resources needed by the, by the staff and amazing church family to advance the gospel in and through Windsor Community Church. So let me walk you through each of these five pie slices. Uh, first is the uh, pastors and ministry directors. This is 46% of our budget. Um, this represents salaries, benefits, and ongoing equipping, such as books and conferences for the ministry leaders and pastors. Uh, this includes me. I'm part of this. This includes uh, Stephen Atherton, who is our student ministry director. Stephen is also a pastor in training. Uh, this also includes a, a stipend for Jake Pence. Um, uh, 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 Jake has uh, picked up some of Pat Brady's responsibilities as far as the operations of the church. Pat Brady was half-time. Jake is probably about a tenth time. It's just an addition to his, to his normal job. Uh, Chase Nation is our worship arts director. He is full-time here. Um, Stephen Atherton and myself are full-time as well. Um, Kelly Cuppinger is director of Connections and the women's ministry director. And then Greg and Noel Johnson are uh, WCC Kids Ministry Directors. So that's 46% of our budget. The next, the next one is support staff. Um, that's 11% of our budget. That includes uh, Bonnie Cooper. She's really the lead pastor here. Um, she, if, you, if, you know, if you know Bonnie, she's, um, this place wouldn't run without her. And uh, she's, she's the administrative assistant, and about everything that happens here goes through her, her fingers. She's a, a massive blessing. Um, Diane Shank. Uh, Diane Shank cleans the buildings. You know this building actually gets cleaned um, every week. It, it, it's obvious because it's very clean. And it's a blessing to have Diane. Uh, Stu Dugas is uh, support staff. Um, he sets up and tears down um, whenever there's an event, heart to heart, that type of thing. Um, Pastors Leadership Institute. We're having a dinner here on Wednesday. Um, he's the one that, that comes in, sets up, and tears down. Um, we have um, we have uh, money set aside for video and audio. Um, during the newsletter, we we shot a lot of videos. And we paid uh, Josiah Shewitt for that. Um, so that's just kind of a, a, a place marker for money we have budgeted. Um, we are uh, up, upgrading our website, and we will pay somebody to keep that, that website up to date. Um, Stephen Atherton is handling that right now. Um, and then we need a student ministry intern. We budgeted money for a student ministry intern. Last year, Stephen had two interns. This year, he has none. Well, he has a lot of, he has a great um, volunteer staff, but he doesn't have an intern. So if you would pray, that God would bring uh, the right young lady uh, to come alongside Stephen in the student ministry intern. Um, and then a pastoral intern. This is new. Um, we've gone from three um, paid pastors down to one paid pastor and two. Um, Jake is very part-time, and John isn't paid at all, but there's three of us. Um, uh, Chris Shewitt was a paid pastor. He went to Sheridan. Pat Brady was half-time. He went to Greeley. So there's, uh, there's, there's a lot, even though we have an amazing staff here, um, there's a lot more on my plate. So um, we're, bringing, uh, we're praying that God would uh, allow us to bring on a pastoral intern, a half-time pastoral intern to um, help Stephen in the youth ministry. Um, he would preach part of the time as well. Um, so if you'd be praying for that, um, we feel like that would be a massive blessing to this church. The next slide is ministry expenses. That's 9%. And this represents the resources that are needed by the staff, um, um, by the, uh, the staff and the church family to advance the gospel in and through WCC. These are, these are things like um, curriculum, um, meals, um, 
you know, when we have uh, heart-to-heart, stuff like that. Um, next is administration, 14%. Um, this is uh, payroll services, workman's comp, uh, office and ministry supplies. Um, the, the most of it is our building. Um, we, do, we do have a mortgage of $382,000. Um, when we expanded where the nursery and Wadler is, that we just did that just a few years ago. Does anybody remember exactly when that was? Does three years seem about right? Uh, we just we expanded that direction, and uh, we bought those units, and we were able to put a couple hundred thousand dollars down, but we had to take out a mortgage um, and um, and twenty one thousand five hundred dollars is the um, is the net mortgage payment, and then uh, we have utilities and condo fees and insurance for another twenty eight uh, another twenty eight thousand dollars. So uh, the building's important, uh, but it does cost money. Uh, missions last is twenty percent. Um, we started this church in 2001, putting 17 percent day one uh, 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 first fruits to missions because. Um, what we see in God's Word is that God asks Christians who are uh, saved by grace, who, uh, who are fully possessed by Him, to give their first fruits back to Him, not last. So, so even before we knew we had the money to do it, we set aside 17%. Now we're up to 20%. And so every dime that you give, um, 20% right off the top goes into missions. And the reason we do that is that we want to put our money where our, where our mouth is. Um, and I want to just run you through really, really quick just some of the places this money goes. We support Bob and Gita and Maimuna in Niger. Um, they are a, a delightful, um, powerful uh, couple that have planted over 30 churches, and now they're in Niger, which is a very dark and poverty-stricken place. And uh, we provide um, all of their living expenses so they don't have to worry about where their next dime comes from. And they can just um, they can just live on mission. Uh, Blessing and Sunday live in uh, Akuta, Nigeria, which is in the southwest part of Nigeria, and they have an evangelism ministry. By the way, both of these couples, Bob and Gita Maimuna, Blessing and Sunday, they're friends, they know each other, and their heart is to reach the Fulani. And if you know anything about Boko Haram in Nigeria um, that are killing people, um, they're Fulanis, and their heart is to reach the Fulanis. That's who they're ministering to. And who are the Fulanis? They're the largest nomadic, unreached people group on the planet. Um, and um, they're, they're, uh, they're, uh, they're polygamous, uh, they're illiterate, uh, they're Muslim, um, and now they're killing people. And they need Jesus. Um, David and Nicole, um, as you know, are at Radius International in Tijuana, and it's a joy to be able to support them on their journey. Uh, Shauna Doty, she's with International Association of Refugees in Fort Morgan, and she helps refugees find jobs and to really plug into and plug into the community, find housing and whatnot. Um, Serve 6.8 Northern Colorado, they specialize in mobilizing, resourcing, and connecting the local church uh, to care for people in Northern Colorado. We use them a lot. When people come to us with needs, we actually go to Serve 6.8 because they have resources, and we thought we really can't like like suck the resources out of them without investing in their ministry. Um, His Little Feet in Windsor, um, we support them, and and their mission is to equip people to practically respond to the needs of orphaned and vulnerable children worldwide. Uh, We support a church planting network in Czech Republic, the largest church planting network there. It's called the Mayak, or Lighthouse Network of Churches. They now have 12 churches. We're going to have a video from them um, sometime in the next couple of weeks, and um, it's, it's, it's the Arguably uh, the most atheistic country on the planet, and uh, God is doing great work through Mayak, so it's a joy to be able to support them. 
We support uh, Sheridan Bible Church in Wyoming uh, to the tune of $9,000 a year. Uh, we support Redemption Church in Greeley to the tune of $24,000 a year. How does that work? Um, Redemption Greeley takes 18 of your, of your givers with them, and then you're sending them $24,000 a year. I think we need a thank you note from them or something. Uh, the Pregnancy Resource Center, we support them, and their mission is to share God's love and compassion to women experiencing an unwanted pregnancy. Um, they want to convince women to keep the baby, and maybe, uh, if I might, even more importantly, um, as they want them to uh, bend their knee to Jesus Christ, because then it's game on. When you come to Jesus, you start making decisions. The decisions to keep your baby become easy. Um, let's see here. Life Stories in Greeley, it's a secular organization. Uh, but we actually um, uh, provide uh, Christmas gifts for the kids that this organization ministers to. What they do is they provide advocacy and support for abused and neglected children. And so sometime here in the next month, you're gonna, we're actually going to have an angel tree out there, and there's going to be gift tags on it, and it benefits these, these, these kids in Weld County. Um, we work with Weld County Foster Care in Greeley, providing back-to-school uh, back backpacks for kids in the fall. Uh, we invest in Crossway Western Region. We're part of a network of churches, and uh, we, uh, we, we're going to be giving $33,500 to the Crossway Region uh, so that they can plant more churches, and then we give $20,000 to Crossway Colorado. Whew. Time to wake up. God is so good, isn't he? Would you, would you actually do that, give God a hand? Because all this happening is to the glory of God. Um, So I want to say a thank you. Uh, like none of this would be happening without um, your faithfulness to what God has given you. At the same time, I want to encourage you to not stop there. To not stop there. Be motivated by the gospel. Be motivated by he who gave it all so that we could possess everything in Christ Jesus. I think that's all I have. Let's pray. God, thank you. Um, bit of a disjointed sermon, but I trust, God, that particularly um, your word would, um, would move us, uh, would compel us, uh, would remind us of your grace that when we were dead, uh, you made us alive in Christ Jesus. I pray to God that we would be reminded that, that you who knew no sin became our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. That we would be reminded that you who were rich became poor so that we who were poor might become rich. And God, we are the richest people. We are rich with your grace and mercy. We are the richest people on the planet even if we lived under a bridge because we have you, our eternal treasure. But God, I pray that um, I pray that you would not let us, that you'd not let this message be ignored. God, I pray that you would you would poke us and prod us and remind us of everything that we have in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that you would help us trust you more with our finances and possessions. That you would help us loosen our grip. 
and to give for your glory and for the good of others. To build your kingdom rather than ours. We thank you that we can do this peacefully. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.